Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beer Sportscast. I'm your host, Perry Morzinos, and today, guys, we have a great episode for you guys. We're going to be recapping the AFC and NFC Championship games and then moving on to some Bruins discussion, um, hopefully some Celtics discussion as well. Um, the Super Bowl preview will be next week. That will be coming out next Thursday, the 9th at noon p.m. So stay tuned for that with the Chiefs taking on the Eagles. That will be the Super Bowl preview. Um, but let's recap the AFC Championship first. Let's start in Kansas City where the Chiefs were able to beat the Bengals 23-20. And just, just to mention a few things before you know, we get started here. Across both championship games, I thought that was the officiating bad. Yes, yes, there were some bad calls made, especially in the Kansas City Cincy game, but also in the Eagles Niners game. And I know that didn't have as much as effect and as an effect on the Eagles Niners game because the Eagles ended up winning thirty-one to seven. But still, whether it was that missed fourth fourth down play to Devonte Smith, some ticky tack penalties on the Niners it looked like the Bengals ended up I think getting called for very similar penalties in the later window so very very weird kind of officiating was very poor this weekend and I think that's something that people are going to be talking about because no one wants to blame the officials but when the officiating's not well the losing team is going to point to the officiating. And I didn't think the officiating was very good in, quite honestly, either game. Especially, I thought that since he, Natty got robbed. But let's start with that last play with where um, Patrick Mahomes running basically for the first time all game. Essentially. And Joseph Osai, the rookie defensive tackle, pushes him out. Pushes him when he's out of bounds. Lay hit. First of all, I know some people have been complaining about this call. This is the right call. This was definitely a late hit, definitely on Joseph Osai, definitely a penalty. Yes, 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 100%. All of those are true. I I, I, I don't want to harp on Osai a lot because it looked like he just arrived just a little bit late, just a little bit late. And it would have been a very different outcome. This game probably goes into overtime if that's not called. If Joseph Osai doesn't push him when he's out of bounds. And I'm not going to harp on the rookie too much. Because I thought he played a very, very good game for the Bengals outside of that one play. It's it's tough to see the game decide on that play. But that's the one mistake you can't make, dude. Like, it's the one mistake. How many times when you're watching a football game and... You know, there's six seconds left. The team has no timeouts. They're at the edge of field goal range. And they need to kick a field goal. Going into the half, right? Going into the half, you want to get a field goal. Let's say you're at the 30-yard line, 35-yard line. You have nine seconds left. You want to get a couple more yards to make the field goal easier. You have no timeouts. So you can't throw it in. How many people, how many times do you sit there as a fan and say, okay, you can't take a sack here and you can't throw into the middle of the field? And the quarterback usually doesn't do that. Have there been a couple examples? Yes. But that's usually pretty simple situational awareness football. And was would have Osai been able to pull up? That's 
that's the question. I mean, that's a large dude running after Patrick Mahomes. He's just trying to make a play. Just trying to make a play. And it's unfortunate that he arrived a second too late as that that did push the Chiefs in new field goal range. Absolutely. But going on off of the Bengals, I thought, was that play the game, the play that decided the game? Yes. But that's all why the Bengals lost this game. Originally on the podcast, I picked the Bengals 28-21. After, the, I recorded last week's episode on Tuesday. After, I kind of had second thoughts. I thought, after seeing the Patrick Mahomes video and him in practice and the Burrowhead stuff, I got a feeling the Chiefs were going to win this game. I actually picked in a knockout pool. Um, I had the Chiefs 24-20. So I did switch my pick, but for the purpose of the podcast that will count as a loss um I did pick the Eagles though so that is an eight and four record in the playoffs but falls that the Bengals had I didn't think that they coached the game very well especially at the end of the first half they um used three timeouts to advance seven yards which was very suspect um very very weird and people are blaming the officiating and blaming Osai and Yes, while those factors did contribute to the loss, people forget the Bengals had the ball. 2.30 left, two timeouts at their own five-yard line. They had a chance. They picked up a first down. I believe they had the ball with a minute and 45 seconds left at around their own 30, I want to say. That could be a little wrong, but somewhere around there. And they had a chance with Joe Burrow. They absolutely had a chance. It just seemed like they, the drive just kind of stalled out. Just kind of stalled out. And that was doomed. People want to blame the intentional grounding. Was it probably intentional grounding? Eh, probably not. But it didn't matter. They recovered after that. They converted that third and 16. Then the drive just stalled out after that. And the Bengals required some very, very impressive plays. The Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase pass on fourth and six earlier on the game-tying touchdown was unreal in double coverage. That's a special athlete that the Patriots, we've been saying, you go out, that's the type of guy that the Patriots need to get. But it was just very, very... The Bengals had their chance. They had their chances. They fought... You have to give them credit. They fought back admirably in this one. They were down 13-6 to at the halftime. The Bengals got that nice field goal at the end of the half. Probably should have been a touchdown if the clock was managed better. But they battled back, but that field goal at the end there um, was the margin of victory. But in terms of the Bengals coaching, I don't think this game was well coached. Why are you kicking the ball to the middle of the field? There's 40 seconds left. Kick it, kick it to the sideline. This is the same exact thing. People, I've, I, people were saying this after the Jets kicked the ball to Marcus Jones and Marcus Jones returned for a touchdown to win the game in that game. People were saying... Why did the Jets kick it to the middle of the field? I didn't. I don't hear anybody talking about that. That's a coaching failure. You've got to kick that ball to the sideline. You have to. You can't kick it to the middle and let that guy run it back. That's stupid. That's stupid situational football. Maybe he muffs it. Yes, but what's what's the greater chance here? He muffs it or he runs it back. Probably he runs it back and he ran it back twenty yards back to midfield. That is the play right there. That I think it might not have had a greater impact than the Osai play, but that play was equally, that play was very, very impactful. 
in deciding this game. In terms of the key matchup, I had the Bengals wide receivers um, versus the KC secondary. I thought the Bengals offensive line showed me something last week. They were not good in this game, especially the first quarter, four sacks about on Joe Burrow. It just seemed like Chris Jones was wrecking them. Um, pretty much all game that seemed like the just Chiefs were able to get some successive um, su- successful edge pressure as well. Frank Clark had one and a half sacks, so not a great game from the Bengals offensive line. But you have to give this Bengals team credit for fighting. They fought in this game and very very impressive to see. And they're going to be back. The Bengals will be back next year. Um, but my X factor, I said. Last week, I said one of these Chiefs wide receivers has got to step up. I picked Juju Smith-Schuster to step up. He got hurt, didn't ended up being playing limited snaps. But Marquez Valdez-Cantling, very, very, they don't win this game without him. Six receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown. The, for the Chiefs to beat the Eagles next week, they need a performance like this out of the wide receiver. Absolutely, they do. They can't rely on just Travis Kelsey. The good teams will take him away. Travis Kelsey, seven receptions for 78 yards. That's a mellow game by his standards. Mellow game. But very, very good job by MVS being that guy for Kansas City. Um, But in the AFC, just some thoughts to take away from this game if you're looking at it from a Patriots point of view. This is bad news for the Patriots. Bad news um, because Mac Jones is never going to be Joe Burrow. He's never going to be Patrick Mahomes. So... How are you gonna How are you gonna figure this out? How are you gonna figure this out if you're the Patriots? Because right now, I think the top four, I think there's four superstar quarterbacks in this league: Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert. Mahomes is number one in my opinion, but those I think are the four head and shoulders. That's tier one. That's tier one of the quarterbacks, and we'll do a quarterbacks ranking after the season ends. Then you could argue the fifth quarterback could be anywhere from Jalen Hurts. To I've heard some people throw out um, some people have still throw out Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, but regardless, the t- all the tier one quarterbacks are in the AFC. Can Mac Jones be a top tier quarterback? Can he be successful? He probably is not going to be a top tier guy, but can the Patriots put enough around him? The Mac Jones cannot win with Marcus Valdez Scantling and Sky Moore and Marcus Kemp at wide receiver like Mahomes can. He needs more of Joe Burrow's supporting cast of Chase Higgins and Boyd. And just to go off of that, this Chiefs team, if I had to pick a team that reminded me most of the Patriots later dynasty, this is it for the Chiefs team. This specific Chiefs team. Because you look at the second dynasty for the Patriots, they had Gronk and Edelman. That's pretty much it. Then Danny Amendola, Chris Hogan, Malcolm Mitchell in the Super Bowl. Guy Josh Gordon later, guys that didn't really play an impactful role. The Chiefs, Travis Kelsey is the lead. He's right up there with Gronk, right? MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, Nicole Hardman. It's it's not an impressive cast of wide receivers, so very, very impressive from the Chiefs. But going over to the Philly game where Philly won 31-7, I'm not going to spend as much time as the, on this game solely because this game was... This game flipped when on the Josh Johnson fumble at the beginning of the half. If the Niners just take a knee or run the ball, head into the half, down seven, this game is different. I firmly believe that as the Niners would have also been getting the ball. Instead, Josh Johnson drops a snap. Eagles score, I believe that was a Miles Sanders touchdown on that particular touchdown, 21-7. That's pretty much the game there. 
and it's unfortunate for the Niners. Um, really, really unfortunate. Their season kind of just once Brock Purdy went out it was going to be very, very difficult for this team to be success. <gasps> Excuse me, to be successful in this game. Especially even Christian McCaffrey still had five point six yards a carry, four receptions for twenty two yards. He needed to be. He was very good in this game, and you can't. This is purely a loss of circumstance for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but I did say their run offense versus the Eagles' run defense would be a key factor. Obviously, it didn't pan out that way. I did th- think Brock Purdy was going to play the whole game. That ended up not happening. In terms of the Eagles, I mean, they had the easiest schedule in the league this year. Then they go, they beat Daniel Jones, then they beat Josh Johnson, essentially, because Brock Purdy was out very, very quickly. That's that's a cupcake run. That's a cupcake run for the Seagulls team. And they have been the best team in the league all year. They've only lost one game with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. It's been Gardner Minshew. But this is a situation where the Eagles, the Chiefs are going to be hands down the best team the Eagles play all year. But in turn, the Bengals might have been the best team the Chiefs have played all year. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the Eagles come out. I think they're going to come out firing. The Eagles usually do. The question is, will Jalen Hurts do enough? And I'll get into this a little bit later in the Super Bowl preview, but what's going to happen in this game? But quick, few notes on the Super Bowl real quick. If you're the Patriots, I, I'm I'm rooting for the Eagles. It's the lesser of two evils here. If I wish both teams could lose, I would. But I'd rather have the Eagles win and deal with the fans for a year than have the Chiefs win and get Mahomes' second Super Bowl um, already. Uh, you're going to be hearing for the next two weeks about Jason Kelsey versus Travis Kelsey, and it's going to drive me up a cliff. The Kelsey Bowl, nobody's going to enjoy that storyline unless you're the Kelsey family. Um, so that's going to be brutal for a lot of us. And also, one more quick thing. This I, I'm, this Super Bowl could get interesting. It could get interesting. The Eagles have a great defense. Do they have a good enough offense? We'll find out. Patrick Mahomes. His two worst QBRs in the playoffs have come in his two two Super Bowls appearances. He's thrown two interceptions in each of his two Super Bowl appearances. So, will that narrative be changed? We'll have to see as well. But we will do a deeper dive into the Super Bowl storylines, X-Factors, um, key matchups, stuff like that, especially once we know more about how Mahomes' ankle is responding. Um, Jalen Hurts pretty much looks to be at or near 100%. Uh, but we will do a deep dive on that. And one more thing that I think is important to know about the Super Bowl. The Patriots have a little stake in this too. Not just for legacy purposes, but from a team philosophy building purpose as well. Because you look at the Chiefs. They have an elite quarterback, elite tight end, average wide receiver core. And then you look at the Eagles. Probably closer to a good star quarterback. Not super star quarterback. But very, very good talent around him. Miles Sanders, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. What what philosophy is better? That is going to be the question. That's why I'm also rooting for the Eagles because that is the philosophy that the Patriots are going to try and go after. But stay tuned next week, bigger Super Bowl preview. But that will do it for the AFC Championship games. Heading into the NHL, I want to mention the Bruins very, very quickly here because we haven't been able to talk to them a lot. It's kind of... To be 100% honest with you guys, it's kind of been a little bit of a jinx. I haven't wanted to jinx them. Because um, they were on pace for the best record ever. 
They have 81 points right now. As of the January 31st, um, that will change or not depending on Wednesday night's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But they have 81 points leading the Atlantic. The Maple Leafs have 70. The Hurricanes have 72. That's the closest in the East. In the West, nobody has above 66. So the Bruins have been far and away the league's best team this year. Do I think they should go for the record if if they have a chance? Meh. Meh. I, I mean, I, I'm going to be rooting for them to win, absolutely. But I think the more important thing right now is making sure Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, David Pasternak, all these guys stay healthy. This is an old team. This is an experienced team. They need to keep these guys healthy. That's what needs to happen. That's the number one focus. I'm not saying rest guys and purposely lose games, but maybe once you get closer to the end of the year, and you start dominating teams, and you start getting your playoff seating pretty much figured out, and it's not really going to matter, maybe then you start resting David Krejci, Patricia Bergeron. Maybe you play Pavel Zaka at the one center's position a little bit later. But regardless, it's been a very, very impressive, very impressive um, performance from the Bruins this year. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, I really don't. This has been shocking. Utterly shocking to see what they've done so far. And I still I still like the Hurricanes a little bit more in the um, Eastern Conference. I think they've had your number the past couple years. So I think that's going to be an interesting playoff match if it does happen. But also don't rule out the Lightning or the Maple Leafs. Those are two very, very good teams. And the Bruins, as of now, have lost three straight games heading into Wednesday night's game against the Maple Leafs. They should be lucky. It's their 50, nearly 50 games in is where they've really hit their first rough patch of the season. That's impressive. It's very, very impressive. The question is, are, are they going to be able to keep it up? How are they going to respond to this? And they do get a nine-day layoff after this game. It could not be coming at a better time for the Boston Bruins. They'll get, they'll get Jake DeBrus back after the all-star break and we will do more Bruins coverage more Celtics coverage after the Super Bowl especially but I just wanted to touch on it's been very I mean 38 7 and 5 they've lost 12 games all year five in overtime 38 wins their first 81 points until a couple of days ago no other team was at 70 that's ridiculous this is historical dominance right now that we're witnessing. And I I, I really hope it continues because I think Bergeron, Krejci, guys that have been this core, and although, you know, there's no Char anymore, there's no Rask, there's no Tuka, there's still Marsh and Bergeron and Krejci. And the second Stanley Cup title will do wonders for their legacy. It might get Krejci over the hump. Bergeron's easily in the Hall of Fame right now. Might get Martian over the hump later in his career. I don't have his career numbers up in front of me, but it might help, um, especially just to get past 2019 because that was the year they should have won it. But this this kind of seems like the last dance for this Bruins squad. This kind of seems like it's it. They've, they've got to dial in and focus here the last week of the season, and most importantly, they've got to be smart. You've got to be extremely, extremely smart in order to prevent 
teams from in order to prevent injury and prevent teams from kind of leapfrogging them here. But those are our Bruins thoughts. And hang over to the other winter team in Boston, the Boston Celtics. Uh, um, it's kind of impressive, actually, how bad the other, how bad the Red Sox and Patriots were and how the winter teams are just utterly top of their league. You know, the Celtics have the best record in the league. By it looks like to me a game and a half over the Denver Nuggets. You have been awesome, and I'm glad the I'm glad the Jason Tam MVP talk has kind of slowed down a little bit. The Celtics also play on Wednesday night against the Brooklyn Nets, who have been surging lately, still without Kevin Durant, but still formidable with Kyrie Irving. He's been very very good this season. Jason Tam Diggin All Star voting nod, very very good, very impressive. He's had a good season. And I know people are going to want me to talk about Marcus Smart, but he's had a good year too. He's had a good year. And I think they're, miss- they're missing him a little bit. They're not missing him a lot because Malcolm Brogdon's been able to fill that void. I've said it. Malcolm Brogdon's kind of like a poor man's Marcus Smart. Malcolm Brogdon's probably a better scorer. Marcus Smart's a better facilitator and defender, I would say. I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair assessment. But they are missing Marcus Smart a little bit. I wouldn't say a lot, but a little bit. And they need him to come back sooner rather than later would be better, this team. Um, it would be much better for this team. And they need, again, Joe Missoula needs to start resting these guys a little bit. Um, they need to start, he needs to start chopping off some of these minutes for Al Horford, Jalen Brown, Jason Tim. Al Horford, I'm going to pull it up right now. Um... But he's been playing a lot of minutes this year. And way too many minutes. If you're the Boston Celtics fan. Jason Tam and Jalen Brown have also been there. Um, which has been kind of nuts. I mean, Al Horford's at 31 minutes a game. That is way too high. Um, way too high if you're a Boston Celtics fan. Jason Tam's at 38. Um, so still high. You preferably at 36 and 15, you'd like to see that number come down. And Jalen Brown's at 36. So he's right when we're where Jason Tam is. That is too high for a team that's leading the Eastern Conference by two and a half games right now over the Bucks, who've kind of flown under the radar here. They've won their past four games. I feel like they've kind of flown under the radar with the Sixers have been surging. The Nets have been surging. But I think this is kind of what you, the top four teams you expected the Eastern Conference to be maybe last year, and they weren't. Um, this year, it kind of seems like if you're the Celtics, I'm still scared of the Bucks the most. I'm still trying to avoid the Bucks. I'm not as scared of the Sixers. You've historically had their, their number. You also have historically had the Nets number. But I'm scared of the Bucks. If I were to avoid one team in the Eastern Conference, it would be the Bucks. Not to not that's not saying that the 76ers and Nets series is will be easy if they do occur, but. I'd, I'd avoid the Bucks. I'd try to avoid the Bucks because people forget the NBA Finals run could have been knocked out very, very sooner if Chris Milton was playing for the Milwaukee Bucks. Luckily for the Celtics, he wasn't. But those those are kind of where my thoughts where the Celtics are right now. Again, we'll do a deep dive into the Bruins and the Celtics later. And the plan, just to go over for the next couple weeks here. So, 
episode coming out February. This episode is coming out February 2nd. Recapping the championship games and talking a little bit about the Bruins and the Celtics. February 9th will be a Super Bowl preview between the Philadelphia Eagles and the um, Kansas City Chiefs. February 16th will be um, a recap of the Super Bowl, and then we'll also work in some Celtics and Bruins stuff. February 23rd will be um, some more Celtics, Bruins stuff. Um, Spring training, I believe that is uh, truck day. Truck day is somewhere around late February. Maybe we'll get a little Red Sox in here. God help us. And then March, obviously, we'll talk a little March Madness, a little Super, um, not Super Bowl, excuse me, a little free agency preview. Um, for the NFL as well, but that's kind of the schedule we have going on right now. Um, but that'll do it for me today, guys. As always, thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate your support here at From Ballparks to Buzz Beers. Visit our website, www.fromballparks2buzzbeers.com. Our Instagram is there, our Twitter is there, our Gmail is there. Guys, please recommend the podcast to anybody you think that might enjoy. Leave positive or negative feedback. Please email me. We will get back to you. We love hearing from you guys. Segment ideas, we'd also love to hear. Maybe we haven't talked about tennis in a while. Novak Djokovic just won the Australian Open. Maybe you want to hear us talk about golf a little bit with the LIV series still going off against the PGA Tour. Um, We will be talking about... um, that a little bit um, as the Masters draws near. That's really where we start our golf coverage here from Ballparks to Buzzer Beers. But even if you guys want to get on the show, I'm sure we can figure out something. But as always, guys, thank you, thank you for listening. I'm Perry Mortino signing out with the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beers Sportscast. Have a good one, everybody.